0: I'm going to ask you a question to start out today. Why can't I praise him as loud as I want? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if you miss Wednesday night, man, you miss something amazing in our worship night. Uh, During that song, we had a whole group of high school students down front right here. And I I think it was the first ever mosh pit at Emmanuel Church. (laughs) And so can we give it up for our high school students right now? Just absolutely worshiping their hearts out. Why can't I praise Him as loud as I want to fan that flame? You guys are doing a great job. Clarence, you're doing a great job. Uh, all, of our, all of our student leaders are doing a fantastic job leading our high school ministry. If you're a high school student, you got to get engaged with our high school ministry and middle school ministry here at Emmanuel's called Verb. Check that out. Hey, if you are brand new with us today at any one of our locations, Franklin, Banta, Garfield Park, online here at Greenwood, we want to give you a special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests? And we want to welcome those of you who drove all the way from Seymour and you're watching right now at Franklin. We welcome you. Can we give it up for Seymour right now, checking things out over at Franklin? We're in a series right now called Relentless Pursuit. We came up with this phrase about 12 years ago. We felt like it captured the heart of God, that God is on a relentless pursuit through Jesus Christ, to help as many people as possible come to Christ and grow in Christ. The message Jesus gave us right out of the New Testament, right out of the book of Matthew, he said it in a couple of different places. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. He says, "Repent, which means to do a 180, which means to do a turnaround. Repent from living in your own little kingdom, your own little queendom, if, it were, if you're a lady. And, and I want you to turn away from being your own boss, your own king the one in charge of your life and step into another realm another kingdom where there is another king a kingdom involves or or assumes that there's a king and his name is what Jesus right and I want you Jesus is saying I want you to live under my rule and under my reign. And that is where you are created to thrive. That's where you become the person you're supposed to be. That's where you experience deep levels of joy, peace, strength. You're able to love those who are unlovable. You're able to walk uh, out of addiction. You're able to live a life without anxiety, without depression, in the kingdom of God. You were designed to live in that place, like a fish was designed to live in water. Your true home was to live, is to live, right now, not just after you die, but in the kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom is now at hand, which simply means you can take hold of it, right? When the remote control is at hand, it means it's on the end table and you can do what? You can grab it. Are you with me today? Is anybody awake? Is anybody awake? You can what? You can grab it. Jesus says, look, the kingdom is right at the edge at, on the end table. You can grab it, you can live in it, but you have to turn into it. You were created to live under the rule and reign of God. What is this series all about? What this series is about is the reality that people are lost. They're out of place. That's what it means to be lost. They're not where they should be. People are not living in the kingdom of God. And Jesus came to take that which is out of place. That which is lost and put it back where it's supposed to be, where it's found in the kingdom of God. And that's why when you look at the New Testament, you see Jesus spending extra time. He spent time with a lot of people, children, teachers of the religious law, his disciples. He spent time with people who couldn't hear, couldn't see. They had leprosy. He healed them. But but he spent extra time with the disreputables, those who didn't go to the temple, those who broke the law, those who were considered sinners or the scum. Of the earth. One time Jesus was spending time with a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector but gave his heart to Jesus, changed his life. Matthew threw this big party for Jesus and he invited all these quote disreputables to the party. And Jesus goes to the party and some of the teachers of the religious law, the spiritual people, the pastors, and the priests listen to what they say in Luke chapter 5. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they complained bitterly. They didn't just say, oh, why is he doing that? They were like, why is he doing this? He's breaking all kinds of traditions and cultural rules. They complained bitterly to Jesus' Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such, say it with me, scum, the dregs of society, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, why, why do you associate, why do you have a meal with these people? Don't you understand that which is holy does not mix with that which is unholy? And Jesus responds with an incredible statement, and it could be the mission of our church. Watch Jesus' response. He answered them and said, come on, guys, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Is anybody aware that you are one of the sick ones today? <laughs> I am. I, I am among the sick i'm not the healthy one i'm not the self-righteous one i'm not the holy one and neither are you all of us are the sick ones jesus i came for those who are sick not the healthy he said and then he continues and says this i didn't come or, or i didn't come to call those who think they're righteous see that's the problem with most of us we think we're righteous but I didn't come for those, but I came for those who know, they know that they are sinners and need to, say it with me, they need to repent. Do you know that you need to repent? Stop living in your own kingdom? And that's why life isn't going well for you? You have to turn out of that and step into the rule and reign and life with God that's who Jesus came for and that's why he was spending extra time with people who were lost that's why he got the reputation of being a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of sinners which he was neither of the first two Jesus Jesus was not a drunkard, and he was not a glutton, but he was always having food and drink and parties with these people because he was a a friend of sinners. In another situation, we looked at last week, Luke chapter 15. Jesus is preaching, and a bunch of these disreputables come out to listen to him, and they loved being around him. Those who were not like him liked him. Interesting. Interesting. And so again, the religious leaders of the day, they start to criticize, why is he eating with these people? Why is he spending time with these people? And Jesus responds with three stories. We we looked at the first one last week, one about a sheep, one about a coin, and one about a lost son. We're going to talk about the lost son next week. Today, I want to talk to you about the coin. Luke chapter 15, let's pick it up. Jesus tells this story. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. What does it mean to be lost? To mean out of place, not where you should be. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully? And I love this word. Don't just look over words in the Bible. Watch it. Ready? Say it with me. Until. One more time. Until. Why would she search carefully until she finds it? Because the coin. I have a coin somewhere. Yeah, here it is. The coin, the silver coin, which is called a drachma back in those days. The coin was of extreme value which doesn't make sense to us because we're like okay it's a coin if you lose it okay you might search for it for 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes but then you know you move on with your day well that's because we don't understand the context of what was going on back then see back in those days uh, the average Palestinian home back in you know ancient Palestine was very very poor and one coin was a whole day's wage and so to lose the coin was the difference between your children eating or going to get or going to bed hungry. And so this was of extreme value. And another situation, there's two options. One was that this was actually a full day's wage. The other was that women would 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 create this uh, this traditionally that they would create a headdress with ten silver coins and they would put it on their heads, and it was sort of like a wedding ring. And when a woman would get married in those days, this would be a precious symbol of their marriage. Ladies, it would be like you losing your wedding ring. Very, very similar. So it's of extreme value, whether it was part of her headdress or it was gonna feed her children. It was so important that she would search carefully until she found it, which explains the joy when she does find it. Listen to what Jesus says. And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors together, and what will she say? Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. That which was lost was so important, it was worth an all-out search. And when she finds it, her, her heart is filled with joy. And then Jesus says these powerful words. And again, these words are to his critics, to the religious leaders and the teachers of the day who thought they were righteous. He says this, In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner does what? Repents. Here's Jesus' message to, to, the, to the critics God is like this woman, which was an incredulous thing to say back in those days because women had very little value. There was, they were like children and women, and the whole society was men centered. And so, so to equate God with a woman was just blowing their minds. But he says, God, It's like this woman whose heart is filled with joy because that which was out of place, her coin, was put back in its proper place and it was worthy of a party. That's how God is. That's how God feels when one of you, one of me, one of us, one of his who is lost, repents and steps into the kingdom of God. Now I can end the talk right there. That'd be decent talk, right? Like, okay, I get it. I should go relentlessly pursue people because they're valuable. They're like a lost coin. And that'd be good. Like, write the names on the board and let's get out. Let's pray and let's get out of here. But there's one other thing I have to mention about this coin that's different from the sheep from last week. And it's different from the sun we're going to talk about next week in your notes. Here's what I want you to see. The coin didn't know it was lost and neither do most people. See, the sheep, I mean, the sheep is dumb. Sheep, sheep are dumb animals. Uh, but the sheep at least knew, it was like, hey, where is my guys? Oh, no, how did I get here? I wandered away, you know, was eating some grass. Before you know it, you know, I'm lost. And the sheep knows it's lost. And the son, next week we're going to look at the son. The son, it, it was his idea to leave. Like he knew exactly, like he made a plan, I'm going to leave my father. But the coin... The coin is just a coin. It's just, it's just on the ground. Back in those days, the Palestinian houses, uh, they, were, they had dirt floors with hay and sticks over them. So, I mean, it's just under It's under some dirt. It's lost. In the, it's not like our houses where you could see a coin on the ground. She's sweeping and sweeping and sweeping trying to find this thing. It's down there. It doesn't even know it's lost. It has no consciousness, no awareness of its condition. And have you noticed that most people are like that in your life? You invite them to church. I don't know. I'm not i am not going to go to church. What do I need church for? Yeah? You know someone like this? Right? These are the folks who in their heart of hearts have decided there is no God. I don't think there is. There's a lot, there's a lot of evidence that proves that that God doesn't even exist. And if they're not full-blown atheists, then they're agnostic, which basically means I it's not that I don't believe, it's just there's not enough evidence. That God exists. So I'm not going to even go to church. I'm not going to pursue. You can do Hey, you do you. You go to church, but leave me out of it. See, I, these, are, these are the folks who think that life is all about who you know and what you have. You know these folks? They take pictures of themselves when they're next to somebody famous, and they know, I know this person. I know that I know them. I'm a, this is what I have. This is who I know, and, and life is about who you know and what you have. These are the folks that are out there, and they think life is about pleasure, and life is about money, and they're, and, and they're like, what, you don't, you don't smoke this? You don't drink this? You don't do this? What? Like, what's, you're lame. <laughs> I remember one time in high school, uh, this is before I became a Christ follower, there was this girl, her name was Robin, and, and I tried to ask her out, and, and she kept saying no. I'm like, what's wrong with you, girl? <laughs> like, I am the captain of the basketball team. I am, you know, the MVP of this, blah, blah, blah. I'm the the popular kid at school, you know, blah, all these. And you keep saying no. And, 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 And at that time, I was into all kinds of things I shouldn't have been into. And she was into nothing. And she was a nobody, according to the standards of our high school. But she said no. She had something that I did not have. I thought she was a loser. Turns out I was the loser. Because I was lost. I thought life was about party. I thought life was about, where's the keg? (laughs) Who's got the cups, you know? Who's hooking up with who? I'm going to eat with that girl. That's what, I was lost. And I didn't even know it. The Bible describes people like this, describes me, describes some of you today. Listen, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Satan, the devil, who is the god of this world. Interesting statement, small g, obviously, For a time, God the Father has allowed Satan, the most powerful angel at one time, who is now the most powerful demon today, to rule and reign in this world. And Satan has done something interesting. Watch this. He has, say it with me, blinded the minds of those who don't believe. How interesting. You come across somebody who doesn't believe, have they made that choice? Have they decided to be an atheist? Have they decided to be an agnostic? Have they decided to pursue a different type of spirituality other than Christ? They think they have. But what has really happened is that Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're, watch this, unable to see the glorious news, the glorious light of the good news. Now, what is the good news? The good news says, hey, we're all sinners. We've all broken the law. We all fall short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. The Savior has come. He's died on the cross. He rose again. Trust in him. You can have eternal life. You can live with God. You can step into the kingdom right now. They are unable to see the need for a Savior. I'm not a sinner. What are you talking about? I don't need God. I don't need Jesus in my life. Did they make that decision or did Satan blind them? Which one? Yeah, the enemy has blinded them. They are unable to see. And Paul continues and says this. He says, they don't understand the message. What is the message? Repent. Repent. Don't live in your own kingdom. Life will go poor for you now and then in the afterlife. It'll go terrible. Repent from that and step into the kingdom of God. They don't understand that message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Here's my question today, and it's it's unique about the coin. How do you relentlessly pursue someone who's blinded? They look at you, and you're the fool. You're the bonehead. You're the one who lacks brains because you don't know the answer, so you've turned to faith, and faith fills in all the gaps. How do you relentlessly pursue someone like that? Three ideas for you today, and then we'll close out. Number one, you have to pray for them. Man, we, you have to go before God and say, God, this person cannot see and I need your help to take the veil off their eyes. This is not cliche. This is real stuff. You actually have to go to God and consistently pray that That he would move in their heart. There's a passage in Acts chapter 16 that I read years ago that helped me understand this. And it took all the pressure off of me from having to put together a persuasive argument and and say just the right thing so that a person would go, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. Let me repent of my sins and step in the kingdom. Like, watch this. Ready? Ready? Acts chapter 16, Paul is out preaching the gospel. He's talking to people about the good news in a place called Philippi, right outside the city gate where people would gather to pray frequently. So he's there and he's talking to people about Jesus and the kingdom. And there's this woman, there's a group of women there. One woman's name is Lydia. She was an entrepreneur. She sold clothing. Watch what happens. As Lydia listened to to what they were saying, the Lord opened her heart. Did you see that? Paul didn't open her heart. The Lord opened her heart, and then she accepted what Paul was saying. What's going on here? Well, God is the one that takes the veil off the eyes. God is the one that removes the blinder that Satan has put over people, that's blocking them from believing. And then, when the blinder is off, then the words come out of Paul's mouth, and she goes, oh, I get it. I need a savior. I need to repent. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that it's not all up to you. And it's not all up to me. Before I pray, before this service, I prayed, God, if there's anybody watching today at Garfield Park, at Banta Franklin, wherever, here at Greenwood, online, across the country, and their eyes are blinded, remove the blindfold. That was my prayer this morning before I got up here. My prayer was that God give me such persuasive words that people can't help themselves but drop to their knees and say, I need Jesus. (laughs) I'm not that wise. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good with words. God is the one who must do this. He opens the heart. He opened your heart. Yes or no? Did he not open your heart to understand the words that someone said to you about the gospel? He absolutely did. So we pray. Number two, we serve them. We serve their socks off, okay? We, we, we look at this person who's a lost coin. They don't even know they're lost. And we try to figure out what's going on in their life. And then we try to meet that need. Do they need babysitting? Do they need gas money? Do they need help paying their rent? What is going on? Do they need encouragement in their life? This coworker, this brother, this sister, whatever. Why? because when we serve them we're really showing them that we love them and love creates the credibility to speak into their life into the future does that make sense listen to what john said in first john chapter 3 verse 18 dear children let's not really say we love each other hey i love you i love you i love you that's cool i think we should say that okay i love you guys i do i think we should say i love you as much as possible but john says don't just be a i love you machine actually Show your actions or show the truth of your love by your, say it with me, your actions. Actions speak louder than words. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, yes? So when you, when you have someone who's a lost coin and they don't believe in Jesus, they're atheist, agnostic, or whatever they are, you serve them. And what that does is that builds credibility for you to one day in the future Speak into their life. A few years ago, I read a book called Conspiracy of Kindness by Steve Sogren. And this book is all about evangelism. It's all about sharing your faith, but he takes a different perspective. He talks about this idea of servant evangelism. Listen to what it is. Servant evangelism, demonstrating the kindness of God by offering to do some act of humble service with no strings attached. This is what Impact Week is all about. This is why we get all of you together or we try to get as many people as possible to sign up and go into the community and serve so that we can till the soil of people in the community so that we will have credibility to speak the message when the time is right. So we pray for them, number one, and then number two, we serve their socks off. I tell my kids all the time, listen, tell your mom that you love her, but then unload the dishwasher. (laughs) like it just like look around like prove your love to your mom by serving her don't just say it okay you get that get that say got it I got it got it all right number three number three let's talk about number three have a conversation with them at some point you got to open your mouth people don't come to faith unless they hear the message at some point you have to talk about the kingdom at some point you have to speak the truth about what the gospel is. And I know a lot of us struggle with this because we think, yeah, but if I open my mouth, they're gonna think I'm a religious fanatic. They're gonna think that I'm judging them. They're gonna, what if they ask me a question I don't have an answer to? I don't know the Bible as good as Pastor Danny, blah, 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 whatever. You know what all that is? A bunch of excuses, (laughs) <laughs> because we are called to speak the message when the time is right. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians chapter four. He's talking to a group. He's talking to a church. This letter, Colossians, is written to a church in Colossae. Listen to what he says. Pray for us too that God will give us as many opportunities to what? Speak. Paul was looking for chances, opportunities, to speak the message about the mysterious plan Of the gospel the mysterious plan of Christ give me up more opportunities Lord at one o'clock at five o'clock at nine o'clock to talk about the gospel with someone he was looking for opportunities then he continues in verse five and he says this live wisely now he's talking to the Christians in Colossae live wisely among those who are not believers serve them like live in such a way that your message is credible And make the most of every opportunity. What opportunity is he talking about? He's talking about the opportunity to speak. If there's an opportunity to talk, take it, he says. And when you take it, when you have the conversation, let your conversation be gracious gracious and attractive. Why? So that you will have the right response for everyone. When we talk, our words have got to be sweet to the soul. We've got to talk about it. And I know this gets real awkward and makes people nervous, but it's, it's what we are called to do. But when you serve people well and when you've prayed for them, the conversation becomes much easier. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts about a conversation. When I sit down or when I talk to somebody, and I usually have about three to four conversations every single week. I just I pray for opportunities and I look for opportunities and I take those opportunities. And I talk to all kinds of people uh, at, uh, in every realm of life. When I have those conversations, I don't preach at people. I don't tell them, let me explain to you how to live in the kingdom of God and, you know, be a Christian. I don't, I don't say that. Here's what I say. I say, uh, what's your church background like? What's your story? What kind of church did you, what kind of church did you grow up with? Oh, you didn't go to, to church. Oh, you went to a really strict church. What was that like? Did your parents go? Did your siblings go? And I ask questions. Why? It's real simple. Everyone loves to tell their story. Now I'm now I'm interested in them. I'm not preaching at them. I'm just saying, tell me tell me your story. Well, when I was growing up, I went to this church. The guy was like, he you know he'd yell at you and tell you you were going to hell every Sunday. <laughs> couldn't drink, couldn't smoke, couldn't listen to rock music. You know, so I got a tattoo and they ran me out of the place. You know. Well, that lets me know, that lets me know everything I need to know about how to present the next idea to them, right? Well, I grew up in this kind of church. We, when we grew up, we didn't go to church at all, right? And so now I'm like, okay, I can talk to this person this way and this way, ask more questions. The best conversations I have are in the sauna at the gym. <laughs> Everyone is very vulnerable in the sauna, some people have no clothes on at all. Now, don't get that image out of your head. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the reason why some of the best conversations happen in the sauna is because you're in there for 10 minutes. And so where are going to go? <laughs> you got a captive audience. One day I was in the sauna. I was talking to a guy about spiritual things. And, and he was just being real. I was asking questions. He said, well, really, to be honest, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, that's interesting. You know, tell me a little bit about it. So he said a few other things. And. I could tell he was turning the conversation off, so I didn't push any further. But I set things up for the future. You see how that works? Because this guy goes to the gym, and I see him all the time. And I guarantee, as I continue to talk with him and see him and give him fist, knuckles, whatever we call it, <laughs> there's going to be a time in the future where there's a car accident, where there is a death in the family, where there is a job loss, and he's gonna look at me, and I'm gonna look at him, and there's gonna be pain, and he's gonna say, hey, I'm going through some tough stuff. And that other conversation sets up a future conversation. You see how this works? I'm not out there preaching to people in the community, I'm just asking questions. And then, I, and then when I get around to it, it's like, what are you doing at nine o'clock? <laughs> how about 11? Well, I work on Sundays. How about four on Saturday? Well, Saturday I work too. How about online? You can watch it all on YouTube, you know? I mean, they they don't have a way out of that, you know what I'm saying? So there's just, we have an answer to every, every one of those objections. Have the conversation. Why am I so bold? Well, you're the preacher, pastor. That's why you're so bold. No, 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 no. Get that out of your mind. You want to know why I'm so bold? People are lost. They're not where they should be. They're supposed to be in the kingdom, and they're not in the kingdom. If they should die without Christ, they perish. We talked about that last week. Why am I so bold and brave to have conversations? Because it doesn't depend upon me. The Lord is the one that has to open their heart. I'm not going to say something that's so profound and so insightful that someone goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to become a believer now. Not going to happen. But when I do speak, the Lord is opening the hearts and taking the blinders off so that they can understand and they begin to pursue spiritual things. Is this making sense? Pray for them, serve them, and have a conversation. I want you to hear from somebody right now. Her name is Amber Campbell. And her sister relentlessly pursued her. And it was the, the, the relentless invitation that led her to come to Christ and change her entire life. Check out her story. There is no doubt that there is an amber in your life. Probably two, probably three. People that are one invitation away, one conversation away from having their entire life transformed by stepping into the kingdom of God. Jesus said to his accusers, You want to know why I'm with these people? is that which was lost, that coin, that was of extreme value, was out of place. And I've come to put it back in its proper place in the kingdom. And then he invites you and me to be part of that mission. The question I have for you today is, will you pursue the lost people in your life? Will you search for them until they're found? Will you care enough about their life now and their eternal destination later. To pray for them, serve them, and have a conversation. During this next song, I want to invite you, like I did last week, if those of you are here, to, to, to get up out of your seat and, and write the name down of that one person, that lost coin, that amber in your life on, on the boards in and, and, and the auditorium where you are. And then just say a little prayer over that name. and Say, God, help me to serve them. Help me to pray for them. Help me to have a conversation with them. Make the invitation. If you don't want to get up out of your seat because it's too crowded or you're just not able to, you can just take out your phone and text RP to 65248. And you'll get a link. You press that link and you can put the name of the person that you're going to relentlessly pursue. And then we will take that name and we'll write it on the board for you. Here's what I know to be true. God is building his church. You know how he's building his church? He's adding those who are lost into the fold. And he's asking you to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his heart, to be his mouthpiece. Will you help him build his church? During this song, you get up out of your seat or text RP to 65248. Do as the spirit leads you. Join him
1: in the search. Man, I'm so thankful that we're a church that's trying to reach people who are lost. You know, we just sang about God builds your church. And the way that God builds his church is through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross. See, as our pastor just talked about a minute ago, many of us, I, I know this, I didn't realize I was lost. I was like the lost coin. I didn't realize that I needed Jesus in my life. Instead, I was just living my life as a high school student, you know, thinking that everything was good. And then I realized that I am messed up. My family got divorced. There was pain in my life. I needed hope. And that hope came from Jesus Christ. It came from what he did for me on the cross. I realized that I couldn't save myself. I realized my family couldn't save me. I realized that other people couldn't save me. You know, in today's world, the government can't truly save us. You know, other people can't truly save you. Your sports teams can't truly save you. Nothing can truly save you except for Jesus Christ. The only thing that can make a lost coin be found, the only thing that makes a lost person be found is Jesus Christ. Because he came to this earth and he lived the life that you and I couldn't. And then he died for us on the cross. And then he proved he was God by rising from the dead and living. He conquered sin and the grave. My life is different. My life is changed. I'm not the same person I was because I gave my life to Jesus. I am now found, and now I have life in this life and in the next, and so can you." All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Put your trust in him, not in anything else, not even yourself, but in him. So right now, I'm going to lead us, and it's not the words that you say, it's the heart behind the words. But you could say something like this to God today, God, I'm lost. I didn't even know I was lost until today. But just like the lost coin got found, I wanna be found. And so I'm trusting in what your son Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. That he died for me, that he rose again, and that he lives. And that he's got a better plan for my life. He, he's got a kingdom, and he wants to me to live inside that kingdom. And I do that by trusting in you. So I'm putting all my trust in you, not in other things, but in you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for sacrificing yourself for me. Thank you for taking my sins so that I can be made right with God. I'm so excited to live this life for you. And I'm so excited that one day when I pass from this earth, I'll be able to be with you forever in your kingdom. We love you, we praise you, And I say this in your son's name, Jesus, amen. All right, church, can we give it up for all those people who made that decision? I mean, come on, let's give it up for those people who made that decision. I promise you, I made that decision in high school and my life's never been the same and your life won't either. And that is why we wanna help you on this journey. We've got something called a save box for you. Text SAVE to 65248 if you made that decision. Text SAVE to 65248 and we will send you this save box. It's got a Bible in it. It's also got a coffee mug in it. It's also got your next steps in it. We wanna help you on your spiritual journey. And one of the first steps is by texting SAVE to 65248 if you made that decision. Come on church, can we give it up for those people again? Yes, it's the best decision you'll ever make, I promise. Now, now for the rest of us today, you heard Pastor Danny. How will you pursue the people in your life who are lost? Who will you pursue right now? Who is the people you need to relentlessly pursue so that they come to know who Jesus Christ is? Come on, church. Let's take that challenge seriously. Let's pray for them. Let's serve them. Let's connect with them this week. Now, if you want to stay connected, by the way, throughout the week, the best way to do that is to join our online campus Facebook group page. Will you join that right now? You can click the link in the chat or go to Facebook and go to Emanuel Church online campus, and we can stay connected with you throughout the week now up next is our children's ministry experience and if you are an online campus person and you are watching with your children after the service they are watching the children's ministry service as well we want you to be able to have all the materials just like our physical locations do so that is why we started the children's ministry club each month, we'll send your children a package of everything they need to follow along. It's got Bible verse clings, it's got craft materials, and so much more. The Children's Ministry Club empowers you as a parent to experience the lessons and activities with your child at home, just like they do here at a physical location. So text CLUB to 65248 to join the Children's Ministry Club, and we will send you a box in the mail every month with all of that stuff. You can also click the link in the chat right now. With that, let's get ready to worship with your children And let's get ready to pray so that they can come to Christ and grow in Christ as well. We hope to see you next weekend and bring a friend. See you guys later.